I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Stephanie Affinito. Stephanie is a book-loving, notebook-hoarding, literacy teacher, educator on a mission to change lives, one book and one notebook at a time. She blogs about the power of leading literate lives at www.alitlife.com and podcasts weekly on books and reading, writing and notebooks, and everything in between on Get Literate with Stephanie Affinito. You can find her online at www.alitlife.com and on most social platforms using at AffinitoLit. I'll have all the links in the show notes, listeners, so you can find them there. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here to talk books with you today. Thank you for your time. Well, I know we learned a little bit about you in the intro, but I would love to hear from you a little bit about who you are. Yeah, well, you you read the, the little quick bio of me. Uh, I am definitely a book lover and a notebook hoarder, and I have been my entire life. Um, I was the little girl who was always, you know, off on the sidelines doing everything but what she should have been doing because I had my my nose in a book. I have loved to read <laughs> since I was very little and knew from an early age that I wanted to spend my time, my career reading. And so I became a teacher and specifically I became a reading teacher. I didn't want to do all the other stuff. I wanted to just focus on books and reading and writing and all of those things that bring me such joy. And today I am a teacher educator. So I work with teachers who want to become teachers, specifically who want to become reading teachers. Okay. And I, I basically get to spend my whole day reading and writing with teachers and their students and sharing that love as far and wide as I can. It's wow. it's wonderful. So do you teach at a brick and mortar school or is it online? You know, my actual university is in upstate New York and okay. we are a brick and mortar university, but I actually do teach in the online program. So okay. I'm lucky enough to get students in New York and then all over the country for those that are coming for our master's degrees. Okay. Yeah. And I know I have a few friends, they are becoming or already are reading specialists. Is this similar? Yes. Okay. Yes. In New York, we call it a literacy specialist to encompass reading and writing and, and media and some other technology, but likely liter uh, reading specialist is likely the same thing. Okay. All right. That's really good to know. And then I have to ask, what sort of things do you keep in your notebooks? Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, at the moment I have about eight different notebooks that I happen to write in. I am I am truly a notebook hoarder. So I've got my notebook for my morning pages in the morning, Julia Cameron style. I have a writer's notebook to keep track of some of the things I'm working on for my blog and for my upcoming book. Okay. I've got a gratitude journal. I've got a one little thing journal where I try to hold on to something really great from the day, especially in relation to my kids so that yeah. I can remember looking back you name it, I've probably got a notebook for it. Oh, I love that. Do you reference back to them as well? You know, I'm not as good at that. Yeah. I do save them. 
but I don't tend to go back in them other than the gratitude notebook and the one little thing notebook, my five-year journal. I go back to those a lot because I know they're going to be positive and they're going to be wonderful. But my other notebooks, you know, my (laughs) notebooks, my morning pages, the one where I work through my challenges, you know, sometimes I just dump it all out on the page so that I can leave it behind and it needs to be left behind. So there's a few that I go back to and a few that are, you know, under lock and key somewhere. Yeah, that's a great (laughs) idea. And listeners, um, for those that don't know, I love that one line a day about, um, and it's a five-year set. And I got that when my kids were young. And I'll be honest, I have not written in it as much. I was really good when we had baby babies, right? When you're kind of stuck in the house. But now that our life is a bit busier outside of the house, I'm not as good about diligently writing something down. But I, I had the same, you know, positive thoughts of, I'm gonna write all this down so one day I can remember this about my kids. Because inevitably, with children, you're not going to remember the little things that seem so important in that moment. Yeah. You think you will. Yeah. And then, and then you don't. Um, And it is fun to go back and see those little things that you remember. I actually keep mine right in the kitchen counter with the pen right next to it so that I have to see it and I don't forget that I have it. And then sometimes the kids will go through it and that holds me accountable to keep writing something good. So that might be a little tip for you. I love that because I had tucked mine away in my nightstand drawer. And if my book is on top of my nightstand, I'm not digging in the nightstand drawer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We got to keep it visible. That's the trick. Yeah. Right. Atomic Habits. Have you read that? A a while ago. Yes. Okay. But he talks about that, right? If you want it, it has to be visible and it has to be easy access. So Yes. All right. Inspiration for today for me. (laughs) I'm going to get back to, I'll just have to like fudge my years a little bit because I think I missed like all of last year. So (laughs) that's okay. That's the great thing about five-year journals. You just start at the next available space. So it won't even look like you skipped anything at all. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at, at your blog and at your podcast? I'm very interested to hear. Oh, I am happy to. Um, I basically talk about all things books and reading, no books and writing, and everything in between. Um, I truly believe that a life well read and a life well written really is a life well lived. Those are my happy places. Those are my particular forms of self-care that work really well for me. And I love putting out there into the world recommendations for books, for notebook prompts, based on what people might be going through or what they want or what they need. I say a lot on my own podcast that I think that reading can help us grow through what we go through, right? Whether that's a particular season of life or if it's just, you know, you're having a cupcake obsession and you want to read books about cupcake bakeries and that just kind of fuels your interest I love using reading and writing in that way to kind of grow my world bigger, to get through things that either I want to get through or are challenging. And with all those health benefits of just settling down quietly with a book and a notebook for a few minutes, I, for me, that just brings me such joy. And so I really want to just turn that around and share book recommendations and share notebook ideas and kind of form a community around that concept so that our reading and writing can actually help us 
get to the kind of life that we want to have. Yeah, I love that. I have used books a lot in maybe the tougher periods of my life because I think whether it's a book to help me like in a step-by-step way to get through that period of my life or it's that to see I'm not alone. Someone else has walked this journey before me and I think that that can give me a lot of peace in my heart sometimes of, well, someone else has been here and they made it through, which means I can too. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they were fictional, somebody else's. It just seems so real, right? There's all of this research on, this is where I kind of geek out on things, but there's so much research on mirror neurons in the brain, you know, that when we witness something happening to someone else, or we witness an experience, the neurons in our brain that would have fired if we were actually in it are, are actually firing because we're witnessing it. Like that's why we can feel empathy or we can feel happy or we can feel nauseous when something bad happens to someone that we love. Um, and, and the fascinating part is that those mirror neurons turn on when we read. So it's literally like we're experiencing things that we could never, ever experience in real life, but we kind of are because we're putting ourselves into that immersive world of reading. And, and that's a game changer, right? For how the world works to be able to see it differently from a different perspective, a different way of thinking it definitely just opens up books as really having the power to change thinking, to change, change everything. Yeah. I love that. Wow. And I didn't know that about the mirror neurons. That is so interesting. Oh um, yeah. And I love the books that I can think about being in someone else's shoes and be like, would I act the same if I was faced with the same circumstances? Yeah, me too. I love deep character driven, character rich novels. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. And then at your blog, is this more geared towards adults or do you do age ranges or? You know, because of the work I do, I adore children's literature, right? Mm -hmm. It is literally my job to keep up to date on children's literature. Um, But I do think that all adults should read children's literature no matter what. For a couple of reasons, but my website, uh, my blog, my podcast, I tend to mix them together because I don't think that any genre or any age group uh, needs to be off limits, but my recommendations are mainly for adults, but I do have some book list of, um, you know, my favorite picture books or my favorite historical fiction for middle grade readers. There is some information for children, but most of my work is geared towards the adults in their lives more research out there on, you know, what makes a reader? How do we grow kids into readers? That's what I spent my whole career doing. And we, we know lots of things about the nitty gritty how, right? We need alphabetics and we need sight words. They need to know their letters. They need to know their sounds, but they also need to understand the purpose and the joy in doing that work. And so I have found in my work with teachers and my work with parents, One of the more important things that really determines if a child is going to grow up to be a joyful reader is the joyful role models that they had around them. And so I feel that by helping adults lift their own reading and writing lives, that I'm actually helping the next generation of kids at the same time because they're seeing it in action and they're seeing adults around them enjoy books and notebooks in addition to phones 
and screen time. Yes. <laughs> the things we have to battle against in today's age, right? <laughs> yep, it's a balance for sure. Yeah. Well, I love that. Thank you so much. And listeners, like I said, I will have all the links to find Stephanie and those will be in the show notes. So you can click there and head on over to her information. I know myself that I will be checking it out a little bit more because it sounds like oh, it would really cool. resonate right with having children in my life, but reading is such an important part of my life and, and it really always has been. So I'm excited to see some new ideas oh, and notebooks have not been part of my life. So I could use to up my game there. So. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely head online. That's one of my joys is to introduce non-notebookers to the joy of an old-fashioned notebook and a really cool gel pen. <laughs> yes, I've definitely been drawn to them by like the pretty covers in the store, right? But then I, I actually usually put them back because I'm like, am I actually going to use it? Probably not. But now if I have some ideas, I'll have somewhere to go with it. Wonderful. My work is done. Yes, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are as a reader? What type of genres do you like to read? Well, for me, I am definitely a person who absolutely loves realistic and literary fiction. Okay. I love to get lost inside a book. I love to connect to the characters. I love to walk away with something that I can apply to my own life, whether it's something I learned from the character, you know, about how to be a better person, how to get through a certain challenge whether it's a place I want to add to my bookish bucket list. Like, <laughs> I read A Wish for Winter. Now I need to visit Michigan. Or, you know, I love adding I love adding to my life based on the books I've read as if they were real, right? Yeah. They feel like new friends. They feel like new, new possibilities. So fiction is definitely my happy place. Uh, but as I mentioned, children's literature is yeah. also my happy place too. I love picture books. I particularly love middle grade reading, which is what we're talking about today. But I do read a lot of young adult literature as well. And it's just something that it's just always been a part of my life. I've always grown up having that book in my bag. My grandma used to take me to the bookstore almost every week that I could beg her, you know, to do so. My I dad would library. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really love fiction. I do love a good memoir. I do love personal development. That seems to be a, a genre that I'm diving into, but I do work really hard to diversify yeah. my reading life and not get stuck in my love of realistic fiction. I actually have a bookish spreadsheet. I call it, it's a Google sheet it. where the nerd comes out of me again, where I track <laughs> I track what's important to me in my reading. So I've got the title and the author, but I also have what genre is it? Is it for children or middle grade or young adults? Is it audio? Is it print? Is it ebook? Did I abandon it? I love keeping track of those things. And so through that process, I've learned that I love realistic fiction, but I need to broaden for sure my genres. I also truly rely more on print books then I do eBooks, although I do love my Kindle Oasis. Um, and I'm not a very good audiobook listener. I have a hard time getting into the book because I tend to multitask and yeah. I feel like I lose it. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm squarely in the realistic fiction realm, but work really hard to broaden the genres that I read so that my actual life can get a little bit bigger too. 
Yeah, I love that. And that was really what prompted me to do this sort of podcast where I did three books in different genres because I also try really hard to not pigeonhole myself into the genre, my go-to genre. And I wanted to read more widely, but there are so many books out there that I'm like, it really started with, I've never really read fantasy. I never thought I would like fantasy, but that's a genre I really haven't explored. And so I had a friend that I knew that she reads mostly fantasy. So I'm like, you know what? What if I recorded our conversation about her recommending fantasy books to me and we make this into a podcast? And here we are. <laughs> That's how it started. I love that. Yeah. I and love that. <laughs> just someone to help you navigate the many books that are available on the shelf and give you a good starting point. So that's why we are here today. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, all right. I have a couple questions in what you said. Yep. Tell us about this bookish bucket list. Oh, the bookish <laughs> bucket list. So, you know, my bookish bucket list is a very distinct bucket list that has started simply because of the books that I've read. Places that I want to go, things I want to do that I I never would have added to my bucket, my bucket list unless I read those books. So I already mentioned in Viola Shipman's A Wish for Winter, I never knew that Michigan could be quite so beautiful and amazing. And so now I have a bunch of places in Northern Michigan that I must visit because of that book. Um, it is I've beautiful. Added, I grew up oh, in the Midwest, so I can oh, speak to okay. it. So <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad that one's on there then. And I know you're in California and I just read the book Super Bloom by Meg Tady, and that instantly went on the bucket list to go and see those in action, which I'm quite jealous of right now. <laughs> We're starting here in San Diego. It's starting to burn out a little bit because we haven't had rain. We had a very rainy winter, which is why we are having a super bloom. Listeners, you can probably hear it in my voice a little bit, the allergies peeking up. Um, but we it's starting to burn out because we haven't had rain in a while. So it's starting to get our, you know, the the sepia tone coming out here a little bit that we go getting into summer with the desert. So, but well, thank you for sharing those. And then another question, can you help us break it down a little bit? What would constitute middle grade exactly? What ages would fall in that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's flexible because all students, all children are different. Their interests are different. Their reading levels and their ability to actually physically read those texts are different, but generally it falls anywhere between, let's say second grade, end of second grade, up until about sixth grade. You've kind of got that upper elementary grade where we go from the early readers to second grade where we're really getting into chapter books. We've got this beautiful middle grade chunk and then the middle school years kick in and some of the kids start to move a little bit more towards YA, but there is a big range. There are some middle grade books that are better suited for third graders and middle grade books that are better suited for fifth and sixth graders. So we definitely have a, a lot of books that we could work with in that section. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. And then I've been thinking about as we've been talking, I think it's C.S. Lewis that has that quote, right, about how a children book worth reading is one that adults can read too, right? I'm. It's not exact word for word, the quote, but I have gotten so much out of books, certain books that I've read with my children that I'm like, wow, that was a powerful read for me. But it was squarely 
in their reading, right? It could have been a picture book. It could have been a early reader chapter book that we read, but I can tell the difference in some of the stories as I've read them now, again, maybe with my kids. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're written for children, but as I mentioned, I really think all adults should keep reading them, right? For a couple of reasons. I mean, we've all been 10, we've all been 11. We all have inner children that are still living inside of us that these books go straight to our heart. We also, many of us are, are parents. And when you read a middle grade book as a middle grader, that's one stance. But when you read a middle grade book as a parent of a middle grader, you get a whole nother world, a whole nother perspective that I think has given me a lot of parenting lessons along the way. And I know from working with adult readers, um, sometimes they love to read a middle grade book because they can finish it in an afternoon and just feel really great about getting the story. And then of course, being able to pass it on to the younger readers in your life, which is the best part to connect them to their next book that they might want to read. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And then one last thing you were talking about tracking your books. And I just want to highlight for listeners, I think that you hit the nail on the head with that is it has made you realize what type of books you really like, right? And the format of books you really like. So, so many people say to me, well, I don't like reading. And I'm like, I think you just haven't found the right book for you. That's right. And so I think by doing this, like you're saying, tracking the books, and if I'm not really a spreadsheet person, I'll admit it. So I very simply use Goodreads for most everything. Books I might want to talk about on the show or on the blog. Now I have, I've made a spreadsheet for myself to be able to track, you know, a little bit more details about it so I can remember it down the road. Cause when I read so many books, I sometimes will forget exactly the plot. Um, but I just wanted to highlight that for listeners. I think that tracking your books in some format can be really telling for you about finding genres you like and formats of books you like. So don't just think you're just not a reader. I think you just haven't found the right book yet for you. Right. And the good news is that books are really patient. I, I <laughs> love that. Wait for, you. <laughs> wait for you until you find it. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Okay. Well, today you have so graciously prepared a book flight for us of middle grade books, which I am super excited My oldest is finishing second grade in like two weeks. (laughs) So this fits squarely in the category for him. So this is going to be a really fun episode. So why don't we'll let you take it away with the first pairing of the flight. Okay. So this first book, whenever I am asked for a a middle grade recommendation, always 100% this book comes to mind. It's been a favorite since I read it. And thankfully, this author has written a couple of more so that this is kind of a gateway into more books for a reader that might love it. But the first book I want to share is called The Benefits of Being an Octopus by Anne Braden. Such a fun title. (laughs) Yeah. Have you heard this? Have you read this one? I have not. So I'm very excited. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be able to introduce this to you. So it's about a character named Zoe. And Zoe has a lot on her plate. She's got little brothers and sisters that she is charged with taking care of after school. Her mom works a lot and is out of the house a lot. And they live with mom's boyfriend, who isn't always that great. 
but he does take care of them with a nice clean house and you know things are okay but zoe's got a lot to deal with right as many of our middle graders might um and she tries to just help her mom take care of her brothers and sisters and stay under everybody's radar at school kind of keep my head down and, and do what i have to do but there is a teacher who notices her, who won't let her go by um, without having some sort of connection with her. And she recommends that Zoe joins the debate club. Now, Zoe wants nothing to do with the debate club. She would rather sit in her own mind and wish that she was an octopus (laughs) with eight different tentacles to do all the different things that she has to do. But she does it. And in the process of joining that debate club, she starts to realize that you know, she has a voice. She has something to say. She is worthy. She is enough. She is doing the very best that she can. And that understanding sparked from her teacher and the debate club changes everything. She starts to live and, and breathe and walk and talk in, in just a slightly different way that, that honors herself a bit more. And the best part is that she then acts as a role model for mom to do the same and to, to, to make some changes in their lives for the better, all sparked by Zoe. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. It has a lot of themes running through it that I think any reader who were to pick it up would see themselves somewhere in those pages. And I know for sure that parents reading this book are going to feel it in their parenting hearts um, as well. It's a powerful, powerful book. Oh, I love that. And I'm just thinking too, that that's a really great lesson and a a tenant of books that I like too, is the transformation within the story. And I think that's an important lesson for our kids, right? As we, we can change, you know, we might not, there's something we might not like today, but that doesn't mean we can't choose differently tomorrow and continue to choose differently day after day. And I think that's beautiful when there's that transformation within the the char- main character of the story. Yeah. And, and that's really typical of middle grade literature. You've okay. got really strong characters that kids can relate to. You have, you know, problems and solutions that are real and logical and could actually be taking place. And there is some sort of typically a full circle yeah. kind of with a transformation that even if there are hard topics in the book, things do end up being okay, even if okay is differently than a child may have first defined it. So I think there is, there's a certain kind of beauty in those kinds of books. I know I enjoy them as an adult when things end up turning out okay. And that's definitely what happens here, but not just okay. She kind of sparks people around her to see themselves in a much better way too. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that one. That was The Benefits of Being an Octopus by Anne Braden. What's the second book in the pairing today? Oh, the second book is another one of my favorites. It's actually one that my daughter and I buddy read together, which is why I think I love it so yeah. very much. But this book is called Lucky Broken Girl okay. by Ruth Bear. Is this one new to you too? N- yep. Oh, good. I'm so glad that I can bring these to you. So this is a fiction book, but it was actually based on the author's childhood in the late 
sixties. Okay. Her family just immigrated from Cuba and they are adjusting to their new life in New York city. Seeing things are seeming to be right on track. And then suddenly Ruthie's world is just flipped upside down. And I, I won't be spoiling it by telling you that she ends up getting into a, a car accident that just changes everything for her and her family. Wow. But Ruthie has the spirit to just stay in it and to grow like like no other. Um, and so the whole book kind of outlines her journey and her family's journey in this new country and now this new way of being, this new way of living, and now having to get over this this challenge. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's it's part memoir, part realistic fiction, but the characters, they just go straight to your heart. You learn about being a, a hopscotch queen. You learn <laughs> about, you know, the the outdoor sprinklers and the go-go boots that she can't wait to get her her feet in. Um, throughout that whole process, you know, Ruthie learns some pretty important life lessons mm-hmm. at a young age. So does her family. But it really just, I would say this book really shows us the power of our inner strength, Mm -hmm. the power Mm -hmm. of family, the power of community, and even the power of art. That is something that is threaded throughout the book and how art can help us get through some really difficult times as well. Um, It's just got a little bit of everything. And, And with that historical piece in the background, I think it really opens kids' eyes to, to, what things were like back then and and what it may have been like for other kids. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. My husband's family actually immigrated from Cuba. So this would be a great read in our family for sure, because it's experiences they have heard about through family stories. So. And if you listen to it, I've read it and I listened to it because the author actually does the narration, which just adds this wonderful layer Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And I think that I was talking with the author recently on the show and she was saying, you know, when someone else read her book, right, they did a very good job, but maybe missed inflection points or, you know, and so I think when the author can narrate it themselves, it really does add something so special to the book. It does. I didn't want it to stop. (laughs) We do it more than once. (laughs) Great. All right. So that was Lucky Broken Girl by Ruth Behar. And then what is the last book of the pairing today? The last one is called Ways to Grow Love by Renee Watson. How about this one? Am I three for three? You are three for three. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. So Renee Watson has a a whole collection of wonderful books that I could have chosen from both middle grade and YA, but I went with Ways to Grow Love because it's a series. Okay. So if you have a middle grade reader who ends up loving this book, then there are more where that came from. We can kind of fuel that habit. Um, And it's about Amara. Um, Amara is a young girl uh, living with her family that is kind of a a typical family where kids can relate to the ups, the downs, the siblings, the the typical kind of family events. And in this particular book, um, oh, I just said Amara. Amara was from Renee Watson's other book. This girl 
is Ryan. Sorry about that. No, I'm getting my books, I'm getting my books crossed <laughs> up. Um, it's following Ryan and her family, and they're preparing for uh, the birth of another baby. So she is figuring out what it means to be a big sister. It captures the excitement. It captures the longing, but also the uncertainty of how a family can change, growing pains of trying to figure out your new role, also growing pains and kind of the typical middle grade challenges with friendship and kind of doing the right thing. It's got a little bit of everything, but what I really loved is is the way that the author developed the character. We learned about her love of cookbooks. We learned about how much she loves to hold on to happy family memories. And she's got a keepsake box that she keeps things in to keep them close to her heart, which is very much something I did and still do. And so I had this instant kinship with this character. And again, in this book, I learned so much about parenting. You know, about how this family prepared Ryan for the new baby, how this family does things. It just gave me a window into how I might do things as well of, of course, appealing to the middle grade reader. And that's something that Renee Watson seems to do in all of her books. You can't help but keep these characters really, really close to your heart. And lucky for us, the Ryan Hart series continues. And so there's more books where this one came from for interested readers. Okay. Yeah. And that always makes it easy, right? Of, okay, I loved this book or my child loved this book. Now, where do I go next? How do I get them something that might continue their love of reading? But this is a really great way to do that when there's a series. So it helps. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that was Ways to Grow in Love by Renee Watson. So I have one question that I was kind of thinking about as you were talking. What about, I know we spend so much time in the younger years reading aloud to our children. Do you continue reading aloud with your child at this age? I would say, don't stop reading aloud into your child until they ask you to. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They will grow out of it, right? We all grow out of it. There is just something special about listening to a book. I mean, look at adults and how we devour audiobooks. It just is a different kind of experience. But more than that, it's that social connection. It's sitting close enough to each other to hear the book, to peer at those pages together. And I would say that that does not have to go away just because your kids are getting older. You could read a chapter each night out of a chapter book instead of maybe the one and done picture books that you have read before. I know even in my education classes with teachers, my graduate education classes, we read books together. Mm -hmm. I read picture books. I will read the first chapter of a book in order to hook my readers in to then hook their students in. So I would say if it's something that you enjoy, if it's something that your child is still willing to do and you really, you know, that special time is still something that both of you are really into, keep doing it because okay. soon enough it goes away. Yeah. And they grow- <laughs> Don't tell me that. I'll hold on even tighter. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I won't tell you not to. <laughs> um, okay. And then you also mentioned you did a buddy read with your daughter. I believe it was on the second book. Yeah. How, how did you do that? Did you read it simultaneously then? 
We didn't. We actually read it where I read it first. Okay. And I, I devoured it. I loved it. And I passed it on to her because I knew that would be just the book that she would love. She read it. We talked about it. And then we listened to it with the author reading it to us okay. together. So, so we, we did our own unique kind of, of buddy read. And, and buddy reading can look very different. It can be reading the same book at the same time and talking about it. It can be, I'll go first and then you go next and let's talk about it or any other way that works for the unique parent and child that are reading together. Yeah. I think that's such a special way to have that connection. It's almost like a miniature book club between you and your child, which I think is a great way to foster that love of reading, right? If they're seeing your excitement and in reading their stories, right? That maybe you wouldn't normally pick up, but I think that's such a huge piece of connection. That's it right there. Connection. Reading is about connecting together, whether that's the reader connecting with the author and connecting with the story, but then broadening that and connecting with other readers, yeah. particularly when they're your family members, it really is a special experience. Yeah. Well, thank you. I love that. Gives me more ideas on how to structure my family, right? Parenting advice right here. Thank yes. you, Stephanie. <laughs> Well, I love to finish our show with what I call our bonus pairings, which are just a speed round of questions here. So you can just answer these really quick. Where is your favorite place to read? So this one changes based on the season. Okay. I I really adore reading anytime, but I especially love in the colder New York months, if I can be on the corner of my couch with my cup of coffee and the Christmas tree lights twinkling, like the holiday mm -hmm. season, that is definitely hands down my favorite place to read. But the rest of the year. You don't leave your Christmas lights up year round, Stephanie? <laughs> I leave them on for a lot longer than I should because of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I just need to put twinkle lights somewhere that I can sit and read too. Mom's reading spot designated That's by right. twinkle lights. <laughs> That's right. That's, you know, that I need to put that on my, my new bucket list of things to do. Um, <laughs> but I do just love reading at the kitchen table. I know it doesn't sound comfortable, but you've got the breeze from the window. It's bright and airy. Cup of coffee right there. It's just, it's a relaxing spot for me. Yes. Okay. All right. And this is not normally a speed run question, but I forgot to ask you this in our intro. How do you find time to read in your busy schedule? I plan for it. Okay. I plan for it. So for me, I'm a very, very early morning riser. Um, I'm up before 5 a.m. Most, <laughs> most days, you too. Yeah. yeah. And so I love to get up early just to get that, that me time. So I get up, I brew the cup of coffee, you know, I grind the coffee beans, I, I brew the coffee, and then I sit down either with my notebook or the book that I'm reading, and I spend a half an hour just in the yeah. quiet just doing those two things because I know once the rest of the house gets up and things start getting busy, that time usually slips away. Yeah. But yeah. I do always keep my book like I do my five-year journal. I keep it visible and I'm really good at reading in pockets of time. I know some people can't do that. They need to, to settle into their reading and have a good chunk of time. But if I have four or five minutes, I can pick up that book and knock out a page or two, yeah. which then keeps that momentum going. I'll likely find time later on. So definitely a morning reader, some pockets of time, 
but also remembered that reading children's books, I'm lucky enough that it's part of my day job. Yeah. <laughs> so I do need to sneak in some kids' book reading in the day too. Oh, I love that. Okay. And then what is one book that has changed your life? This is not really a lightning round question. This one was hard. <laughs> Oh my goodness. There are so many books that I could have pointed to. That's why I try to give like, them in advance. So it gives you a minute yeah. to think about it because it is a deep question. It It is. And I had to sort through in my mind, which, which one am I going to share? And the one I'm going to share is The Authenticity Project by Clara Pooley. Okay. How about this one? Is this new to you too? Yes, these are all new. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, this book. This book is about uh, a gentleman named Julian. And Julian is, is struggling. He's at a period of life where he is struggling and he is lonely. And he decides to get this notebook and pour out exactly who he is and what he's going through instead of pretending anymore. So he just writes this whole story down in this notebook. He goes to a local coffee shop. He labels the notebook, The Authenticity Project, and he leaves it on the table. Wow. And in that notebook, along with his story, is an invitation for other people to say their truth as well. Oh. Huge kind of concept, right? To yeah. do this publicly. Um, and people do take him up on his offer. And what happens in the story is we learn about a couple of these characters who choose to write in the book and then ultimately how their lives connect and intertwine because they were willing to take a risk and put their voice out there. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's oh, I have the chills. So oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> yes. It's, it's wonderful. Okay. Thank you. And then are you a rereader? I am not a rereader. I like to collect quotes from the books that I've read and flag sections. And I will often reread those and, and go back in my notebook to find them. But I don't tend to read a book more than once unless it's personal development. Okay. Sometimes I need to in order to get that, but mm -hmm. I tend not to read fiction again because sometimes I don't want to break the spell yeah. <laughs> that it had the first time. So I do tend just to, to read it once and keep moving on to the next book that's waiting. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then lastly, what are you reading next? So right now I am reading a book called Wine People, adult book. So if we okay. think that I'll give you an adult <laughs> book and a, a middle grade book, this, this one's definitely not middle grade, but this one is called Wine People by Michelle Wildgen. Okay. And it's one of uh, Zibby Owens' books. If you oh, know yeah. Zibby Owens has mm -hmm. that wonderful podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And she has been putting out a book a month for quite some time. I've loved all of them. And this is the one that I'm currently reading right now. Okay, It is about a girl's experience in the wine industry. It is fiction. Okay. And it's fascinating to yeah. know what goes on behind the scenes and how luxurious some of the wine tasting world is um, and how some of it is not. So it's been fascinating to get a glimpse into a world that I know absolutely nothing about. Yeah. Oh, I love but that. I enjoy on the other side. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then did you have a middle grade book you're reading right now or a YA? 
Yes, I'm reading, uh, a, well, I'm getting ready to read this one. This one is called Born Behind Bars. Born Behind Bars by Padma Venkatraman. Okay. And she wrote The Bridge Home, which was a, a beautiful book that I just loved. And so I couldn't wait to get my hands on this one. Not a sequel, but I'm told she says there are definitely some threads between um, the two. It's about a young boy who was actually born in prison because his mother was incarcerated. Oh. And he lived there for a couple of years until now he's kind of aging out, if you will. And it's about what happens when he has to learn to adjust to a new life, literally on the other side and still without his mom. Wow. So it's a very deep, very powerful and provocative book. Um, and it's getting rave reviews and this author is just fantastic. Okay. Wow. That does sound like that would be a very, wow, intense read. Yeah. And it's also, if you are, you know, reading books with your kids, books are the perfect opportunities to bring up hard conversations. Yeah. And not that we want to always have hard conversations yes. with our kids, but the world is kind of demanding that we have to have them more often than we probably would like. And books can be those starting places for conversations in a very developmentally appropriate way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time today. I know that it is precious, so I appreciate you being here with me today. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation today with Stephanie Affinito. We'd love to hear what other books you would pair with this middle grade fiction book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.